plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Thursday, August the twenty fourth game day edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, as always, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Lots to get to on today's show, breaking down the game that just concluded less than a minute ago in Philadelphia. But before you break down the 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast, and check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, and also follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. You can catch me live tweeting during the games. Today's sent out probably about 50 to 60 tweets again about the game, so check me out there for more takes on the Miami Dolphins. All right, let's get right into the show here. I don't want to waste your guys' time. This is an instant reaction show, so picture me as like a coach in the locker room after the game. We'll get to the tape further for Monday's show, but these are the things that I saw immediately from the live broadcast. I'm just going to riff off some of the names that I saw. Go down the offensive first team, the defensive first team, the offensive second team, talking about the starters, the backups, the role players, who's going to make a team, who is not, all that, so forth, and so on. And the show obviously is going to start with none other than the quarterback, number six, Jay Cutler, who, if you saw the game today, you know what type of impact he had. He brought some of those elements that we saw from the past with him down to Miami, and you kind of saw the way that marriage with Adam Gaze worked, where you get the aggressiveness and the big-time arm going for big shot plays and, and, and extending plays and doing all that type of fun stuff that gets the fans excited in synchronicity with a safe game plan and something that they can protect Jay Cutler from his own bad habits. I think you saw a lot of that tonight. Cutler's final stat line, he was 5 of 8 for 105 yards. That was 13.1 yards per attempt, a gaudy number. One touchdown, no interceptions. On the eight throws, he had one that worried me. It was a little combination route where Jay Ajayi split out wide and Kenny Stills was bunched close to the tight end, or excuse me, close to the right tackle, close to the to the formation on the inside. And Jay Ajayi ran a simple little five-yard in cut. Kenny Stills ran a slower developing little 10-yard flag route to the corner, and the corner on the outside, Ronald Darby, jumped inside to help on Ajayi, and he broke the pass up. It wouldn't even have been for a first down anyway, but he had Kenny Stills in the corner if he just would have waited like a half a second longer. Thought it was a risky throw without any reward because even if Ajayi catches the ball, not going to be a first down. So he forced that one. Obviously, the strip sack, I mean, not much he could have done there. You you can protect the football. That's always a concern, but he was going to get sacked regardless. Just put the ball away. So those are the two snaps that bothered me. But other than that, I thought everything else was 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 beautiful. The third down conversion before the long play to Devontae Parker, 
Devontae Parker catches a 72-yard pass where he took it off Ronald Darby's helmet on a 50-50 ball. Just a good throw and an even better catch. But the play before that was, I think it was third and eight, and they converted to Kenny Stills. Cutler eluded some pressure in the pocket, got out, and then used that sidearm type of sling action that he has to sling one into Kenny Stills. In, in between a trio of Eagles defenders, and it was a really pretty-looking throw, good-looking catch, tight window. Like I said, moved out of the pocket, so it looked good there. And then the big-time throw to Parker there at the end. He had another throw down in the red zone to Julius Thomas. I was asking for some red zone work from Cutler because the guy we're going to talk about here in a minute, Jay Ajayi, was pounding in all the all the short yardage runs. I wanted to see Cutler get some work down around the goal line. Sure enough, Gaze appeases me, and he runs a little, a little rub route from a bunch formation on the left side of the formation where he has the three guys in the triangle, and they pick a player, and Julius Thomas runs down the goal line, and Jay Cutler put the ball into his armpit to where he couldn't drop it. It looked like it kind of surprised Thomas a little bit, but Cutler threw the ball so perfectly and with so much zip that it just kind of stuck and went for a touchdown. So Jay Cutler, a massive thumbs up for tonight's game. Hopefully that's kind of what you'll get the rest of the way with him. I mean, we know that's not going to be the case, but you are going to see games where he balls out like this. So enjoy that while we have it. And just remember that comes with some of the bad games too. So Jay Cutler, an A-plus tonight. Mention the running backs, uh, Jay Ajayi. What more can you say about this guy? I think there's no question... Or should be no more questions about whether or not he's a top five type of running back. For my money, I'll take Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and then I'll take Jay in that same frame with Ezekiel Elliott, maybe Devontae Freeman. But those are the top five guys, and Jay belongs with every single one of them. The guy is so physically dominant, such good vision, such good patience, such good one-cut ability. He had a nice run tonight where the inside of the line was just broken down. He bounced it outside, bounced off a tackler on the perimeter, and cuts it up for like 12 more yards or something like that just a super impressive guy had the big run had the two touchdown runs where he was stopped at the goal line Dolphins offensive line kind of having some problems moving guys off the ball no surprise no change from last year but Ajayi just the beast that he is runs through the tackles for an easy couple of touchdowns and kept the Dolphins offense on pace with the Eagles offense which was also clicking on all cylinders tonight so Jay Ajayi a big night and nothing, nothing surprising from him. Probably going to expect more of that all season from number 23, J-Train, J-Ajayi. Moving on to the first team pass catchers, the three big ones we all know about, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, they all did what they do best. I thought that was awesome to see. We've heard a lot about how Jay Cutler has the best weapons he's ever had, and there's no question about that. I will go on record saying that if you take the Dolphins' top three receivers and their running back, there is no team in the league that can match those four. Not even close, really. A top five running back with a potential breakout star in Devontae Parker. Jarvis Landry already is a star in his own right. And Kenny Stills, the kind of unheard man, the silent partner of the three who also gets things done all the same. I mentioned on Twitter tonight, Ronald Darby, newly minted Philadelphia Eagle coming over from Buffalo. He got to know the three of them all all very well. And I even mentioned that he's probably going to vote them one, two, and three in next year's NFL Network top 100 players list they do in the summer. And the reason I said that was because Devontae Parker took him for a fade route, took the ball off of his helmet. The ball was slightly underthrown, but kind of where you want to be on a 50-50 ball, especially when you have a receiver like Devontae Parker, who, in my mind, his upside is A.J. Green. He is starting to really show off some of that A.J. Green type of talent. Just a special-looking player. Really excited about him. And then on another play later in the game, Kenny Stills puts a double move on Ronald Darby, smokes him, Darby grabs him, pass interference, in the end zone, balls on the one-yard line, about a 50-yard gain there via penalty, just as good as a catch. 
And then later in the game, Jarvis Landry, I was just getting ready to tweet out that he needed to get Landry involved because he hasn't caught a pass yet or even been targeted. Sure enough, he runs from a bunch formation up tight into the line of scrimmage and turns around Ronald Darby to where he catches the ball and Darby's back is to the receiver. So all three of our guys balling out tonight in different ways. Landry had a big catch later in the game. Their three stat lines go Devontae Parker, two catches, 78 yards. Jarvis Landry, four excuse me, yeah, Jarvis Landry 4 for 49, and then Kenny Stills 4 for 18, but he also had that 50-yard pass interference call. Didn't get to Ajayi's stat line for you. Nine carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns, had the 26-yard run on the first drive. So the Dolphins' skill players looking just fantastic in this game. Couldn't ask for more from the the five of those guys. The problem with the offense, if there's going to be one this year, is the offensive line, and it showed tonight. And kind of the theme of the night was the good play of the Dolphins offense, but also the regression, or I don't want to say regression, but just poor performances from guys that you expect more of. And one of those guys was Laramie Tunzel. Had a rough night. He got beat on that strip sack on the second drive where Cutler lost the football. We turned it over. He got beat around the edge pretty bad. Looked like he took a, took a, not a, a, a kick slide is supposed to take the left tackle back into the backfield and get him a deep drop for a good setup so he can throw those hands and, and throw a good punch and then stabilize the defensive end. But he kind of slid out directly to his left and it, it allowed for the defensive end, Vinnie Curry, to come off the edge and just smoke him. And, and it looked pretty bad. I don't really know if that was a miscommunication in protection or if it was just Larry Townsend not doing the right thing. But he that's not where he was supposed to be. Results in a strip sack looks bad. But I think that's something they can get corrected. Other tackle, Juwan James, had a bad night also. He he allowed an Olay play, so to speak, where he it looked like he also had the wrong protection call. He's looking for someone else inside. Guy comes off the edge and, and blows up the play in the backfield again. So both the tackles had a rough night. I thought inside, Jamon Bushrod played a pretty good game. He was able to move guys better than anybody else. And he looked like he went down with an injury earlier in the game, but he kept playing. That's what I love about Bushrod. Not the best player. But he's going to give you 16 games unless something is seriously wrong with him. So good on him for that. I thought Mike Pouncey had a couple of nice plays. Uh, he opened up a nice little hole, him and Bushrod in in, uh, in unison on the Jay Ajayi big run. So the two interior guys improving and the two outside guys having bad games, kind of an interesting flow there. I thought left guard, you know, I mentioned in the pregame, this was a position we had to watch tonight. They started off with Anthony Steen. I didn't think too much of his performance. But then Jesse Davis came into the game, and I thought had his best game so far over the preseason, moving guys around. He had a good combination block on a pass protection play. It was actually a long game to Jarvis Landry, where he chipped the left tackle, helping out. I'll have to go back and look. I'm not sure who the left tackle was in the game at the time. Might have still been Tunzel. He helps out Tunzel on a chip and then comes back and picks up his man on the inside, giving Matt Moore just enough time to let that ball rip and hit his guy, Jarvis Landry, for a big game. So Jesse Davis... I think is going to be your opening day left guard. And I think there's things you can work with there. I've talked poorly about him over the past couple of games, but it sounds like Adam Gaze likes him. It sounds like, you know, based on tonight's tape, I think he's going to, he's going to win that job. So first team offensive offensive line with Pouncey, Tunzel, James, Bushrod healthy. And then if Jesse Davis can give you anything at all, I think that group will be okay as long as they stay healthy, which I know is asking a lot for an offensive line. It's such a tough position to play. And it's such a, you know, a grueling season for those guys on the inside that you don't expect that to happen, especially when one of those guys is Mike Pouncey. But I think that if you can have those five guys, they should be all right for the most part. Last part here on the first team offense, and it's the tight ends. I don't really recall seeing Anthony Fasano out there very much, nor Marquise Gray. Fasano had one target, but it went incomplete. But I don't, I didn't, he didn't pop off the screen to me, so I won't talk about him much. But the one that did pop off was Julius Thomas, and for all the wrong reasons. 
I have been very vocal and, and adamant about how I don't think there's a fit there in this offense. I think he gives you nothing in terms of an inline blocker. I think he looks slow. I think he came off that a couple of pass routes just slow and sloppy and, and kind of, you know, he's not quick in and out of breaks anymore. I don't know if it's injuries or age or what it is with that guy, but he just isn't the same player he was in Denver or if, even if he was a good player to begin with, just capitalizing on Peyton Manning and Adam Gaze being around him there in Denver. So if, if it was up to me, I don't think I would even have him on this football team. To me, it reeks of Jordan Cameron from last year. Couldn't inline block, dropped some passes, just lacked confidence. Jordan Cameron comes out after the season and says doesn't even like football anymore or never did. So I, I'm not going to put that on Julius Thomas, but I think talent-wise, ability-wise, production-wise, execution-wise, everything that matters... It doesn't look good for him at this point. It looks like he will be one of those guys that makes the opening day roster. He's going to make it. I'm accepting that. But if I was in charge, I would not bring him along to Tampa Bay for game one. All right, let's kick it over to the defense. Oh, boy, the defense tonight. That was uh, that was something, wasn't it? A bit of a clinic in how to not play. I'm going to start on the back end because I want to get to the one play that really bothered me the most maybe not bother me the most, but it, it just kind of irks me a little bit because I think this guy is our best player, maybe outside of Ndamukong Sue, but I've been on the, the bandwagon, the Rashad Jones bandwagon for a long time now. He had a rough start to his career and then just came onto the scene like a bat out of hell. Heck of a football player, got the big contract this season, this off season, earned every penny of it. But tonight he had, I want to say it was three or four missed tackles. He had the missed, it looks like Byron Maxwell missed a jam on that big touchdown play early in the game to Torrey Smith from Carson Wentz. But Rashad Jones, I thought, held most of the responsibility for that. They rotated the safeties from a single high, one-man-deep one look, and they went back to a cover-two look. And Rashad Jones didn't look like he got back in time, and he was just late to react. And it, it, it was a lack of communication. I think that's the type of thing that was kind of the theme tonight. The Dolphins lack of communication and fundamentals were really lacking, whereas the talent really shined through. So that's encouraging because you can't teach talent, but you can correct execution and fundamentals and those things. So that was a big problem for Rashad tonight. The entire secondary in general, Byron Maxwell had a rough night, got picked on all night, little inside slant routes and dig routes, things challenging him that gave him issues. So he had a rough night. Bobby McCain had another rough night, uh, tackling wise, coverage wise, just didn't get a lot done there. TJ McDonald, he's a potential first-teamer, but he didn't really play much of the first team tonight. It was Nate Allen out there. And Nate Allen had a rough night also, but TJ McDonald just looks like a different player than what I'm used to from the Los Angeles slash St. Louis Rams. I don't know what his deal is, if the suspension's weighing over his head, but he's not had a good preseason so far, and that carried over to tonight. So the cornerbacks and safeties, just a rough night all around for them. Going down to the linebackers, the best player on the defense tonight was without Question number 94, Lawrence Timmons, the newest Miami Dolphin to the defense. He was all over the place, had an amazing interception where he disengaged at the last minute and got his hands up and caught the football. He was running downhill, playing the run. He was blitzing, just looked really good at the things they brought him here to do, which is blitz, play the run, and, and work in some coverage as well. So a good night for Lawrence Timmons. And Lawrence Timmons benefited, as did some of the Dolphins defenders, off of Matt Burke's scheme, which allowed them to do some things. I had a buddy, my my defensive coordinator, I used to call him of my other podcast. He talks, he's a defensive genius. He'll actually be on the podcast on Monday. Big spoiler alert there. But um, 
he was talking about how Matt Burke needs to save some of this stuff for the season and stop putting this stuff on film because he was doing some twists, some stunts, some blitzes, some overloads, some cool things that I think you'll see some more during the season that'll help this defense opposed to just trying to vanilla beat everybody with base coverages and stuff. So, you know, it goes both ways whether or not they're playing their, their full scheme, but Lawrence Timmons definitely capitalized on that tonight. Kiko Alonso, I thought, had a rough night. He looked like he played a little bit more Mike tonight. It's The, the linebackers kind of shift around the formation, and Kiko got himself caught in the middle a few times. And when he does that, he pulls his trigger pretty quick, which is nice when it works. But when it doesn't, he's just like an, a non-factor of player on that particular play. So I'd like to see him have a little bit better instincts. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Other linebackers, okay, actually we'll get to them. Hang on one sec. Let's go back to the, to the defensive line first team. Thought Cam Wake was awesome. Had pressure all night. Just couldn't quite get home. He was right there. Almost had the sack up in Carson Wentz's face on the big touchdown pass to Torrey Smith. Devon Godshow had some more good reps tonight. Such good hands. The way he stacks and disengages. The way he gets his hands under the, the breastplate of his man that he's, he's controlling on the offensive line. He's going to be your opening day starter alongside Ndamukong Sue, who had another big night. I mean, I'm, there's no point in even reviewing Ndamukong Sue's games anymore. He plays good just about every game. So that's the first team. You know, Will Hayes and Andre Branch kind of had ho-hum nights. Jordan Phillips had a, a nice couple of plays. The interception where he hurls again was kind of fun to see, but not much in terms of productivity of of putting that athleticism to use in terms of stuffing the run and, and kind of the every down, down-to-down type of stuff you're going to see opposed to catching batted balls for interceptions. So let's move along now to the second team. Some of the, some of the backup players will go back to the offensive side of the ball and talk about the quarterback's Matt Moore at one point had three pass attempts and had two interceptions. The one he just kind of lofted into the end zone into triple coverage, not a good decision, or even if he made a decision at all. I think he just kind of let it, let it rip and threw it and said, oh, whatever. And that's kind of been his MO throughout preseason, throughout his career. He's not been a very good player in August, so it is what it is. Brandon Dowdy, he's awful. He's not going to make this team. He's He just can't He just can't do it. Running backs, the only one that I noted was Storm Johnson. He just looks slow in and out of cuts and, and, and getting into the holes and the gaps. So not a lot there. Damian Williams had some action tonight, but didn't have much to work with. Kenyon Drake just looks fast. I like I like the way he looks fast and plays fast. He covered a punt tonight where he was the only man down there by about 10 yards, and he kind of stopped and looked around like, where you know where's my friends, where's my teammates here to help make the tackle? So he's a good gunner on punt coverage. We have a lot of that too. We'll get to that on the defensive side of the ball. Sonoris Perry, I was hoping to see a lot out of him tonight. He didn't do a whole lot. Looked good as a kick returner, but didn't get a lot of action on the ground. Probably going to be a fourth game thing to see if he can make the roster. The backup receivers, Jakeem Grant had the 69-yard touchdown catch where he caught a slant, broke a tackle between two defenders, and, and it was off to the races from there. You're not going to catch him. So that was cool to see. He did drop a ball that was a little bit out in front of him, but he probably could have gone to the ground and caught it. Another deep route that could have made a, made a two-touchdown night for him had he ran under and caught it, but he could not do it. Uh, the rest of the receiving crew didn't get a whole lot done, so not much to talk about there. I think it's going to be a big, important night on preseason game four for the for guys like Demora Stringfellow, Drew Morgan, even Leonte Carew at this point trying to get some more reps. So we'll see what happens with them. 
Backup offensive lineman, not a good night. Again, I thought Eric Smith kind of regressed a little bit tonight. I mentioned Anthony Steen starting the game at left guard, not much there. Jake Brendel struggles. Sam Young struggles. The the offensive line depth on this team is just really, really bad at this point. They're going to have to get it corrected if they want to be competitive if, if injuries are to occur to the offensive line, which at some point it's going to happen. So big concern is the depth on this offensive line in addition to the starting offensive line as it already is. Backup defenders, I had mentioned. Uh, Charles Harris was a guy I wanted to look at. And going back into Matt Burke's different types of schemes and alignments, I, there was one play tonight where they had four down linemen. It was Cam Wake and Dominican Sue, Charles Harris and Andre Branch. Kind of cool to see three defensive ends. And Charles Harris was the one lined up inside where Devon Godshow lines up, but a little bit wider alignment. Sue and uh, Harris were lined up on the outside guards or the outside shoulder of either guard with Wake and Branch split way out wide and a third down NASCAR type of package. So that was kind of cool to see. But I thought Charles Harris had a rough night. Not a lot of pressures. Hasn't even gotten home yet for a sack this this preseason. We'll see more out of him. I want to see him refine some of his skills, maybe add a little bit of strength and be kind of a fourth down, you know, closer type of guy for this team. So hopefully we see some more of that. Another guy that I wrote down was Julius Wormsley. He was a guy that was my he was my favorite player last August in the preseason. He was just in the backfield all game, every game, kept working his way up the depth chart, and then goes into that Seattle game in week one, plays pretty good there, saw that game in person. He was in the backfield there a few times, and then from there just disappeared. And now this year, it's been even worse. So I don't know what his deal is, but he's probably not going to make the team now based on this offseason. Moving to the linebackers, Deion Lacey I thought had a good night, especially in special teams. He He's a he's a very good special teamer. You're going to have to have a couple of core special teamers, especially at linebacker, especially a guy that can fill in as a backup guy. I think that between Mike Hole, Deion Lacey, and Ray Maluga, I would bet I would probably put my money on Deion Lacey being the guy that gets the most reps on the starting defense or, you know, as part of the, the, the three linebacker defense, it's not called the base defense anymore. It's more of the sub package at this point in 2017. So I like Deion Lacey's game. The other guy that's actually listed as linebacker, but plays defensive end number 76 praise Martin Oguike. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea. The undrafted rookie from temple. He has a, just an amazing burst an amazing get off. He's always in the backfield first. So Fun to watch him. Think he's going to be a practice squad type of player. The secondary, Lafayette Pitts had a rough night in coverage, but he's another one of those core special teamers that just plays really well. Number five, Torrey McTire had a similar type of game on special teams playing well there. And then Maurice Smith, the safety. He and A.J. Hendy combined to play the kind of close out the, these preseason games in the fourth quarter at safety, two, the two safety positions. And I thought they both played well again, particularly Maurice Smith on as a gunner on special teams it's fun to watch those guys they really want to battle and get out there and they're playing well so good on them for getting that done and good on this team for getting to the preseason <laughs> the last two games without any injuries and you know it's kind of funny to say knock on wood but they were so banged up after the first game and with practice and everything going on so good to see them get through this game without any significant injuries and the next game we watch that we're really going to be you know into is is the season opener i will be around for game four just to kind of go over the guys that could be fringe roster guys. I mean, that game, the reason the NFL went with this new, you know, one cut down from 90 to 53, rather than going from 90 to 75, from 75 to 53, was so they could get a better look at these guys that are, you know, depth and sit out the starters. So you're not going to see any of the starters in this game, I don't think. I'm looking for a lot of Charles Harris. I want to see a lot of him. I want to see some Jesse Davis at left guard, get some action out of him. I want to see Lafayette Pitts, A.J. Hendy, Maurice Smith, some of these guys that have made a name for themselves, Deion Lacey, as backup special teams types of guys. I want to see them get extended reps with the first team and, and play out an entire game. So that'll be fun to see. 
But that's for another show, a long episode tonight. Thanks for staying with me on this. We will be back on Monday. As I said, special guest Kevin Dern. If you were a fan of the Finalysis podcast or at KevinMD4 on Twitter, he is a great defensive mind, a defensive whiz. We're going to record a defensive segment on Saturday, I believe it's going to be. And we will have that podcast up on you guys or on Monday for you guys. Monday, first thing in the morning. We're both going to look at the film or <laughs> the broadcast version since there is no All-22. But we're going to break that down for you guys and have another, another extended podcast for Monday. So two... Big game podcast for you guys coming up, this one and then the one on Monday. So keep an eye out for that. Before I let you go, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star rating. Write me a nice little review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcast, the Miami Heat podcast, the Locked On NFL podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. And check out 3rd10.com. The week one and week two recaps are up. Week three, I'm going to be doing my actual grades that I do during the season because we're having starting quarterbacks play extended time this week. So check that out. That'll be up sometime next week. We'll be back Monday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose of Dolphins football. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.